Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Freo Big Footy podcast. This week we'll go back and have a look at the uh, pretty deplorable effort against the Hawks down in Tassie. Have a quick look at uh, Peel having a good win against East Fremantle in the Waffle and then we'll have a look at the upcoming clash against the Blues on Saturday night. Joining us is our usual resident Victorian expert, Seppo. How are you, mate? Uh, good afternoon or good evening, depending on what time you're uh, listening to and wherever around Australia. And it's uh, interesting circumstances we just uh, witnessed on Sunday. It's, uh, yeah, worst loss under uh, Ross Lyon so far for Freer, which is, um, yeah, hard to watch. Yeah, in the end, the game was 17 goals, 13, 115 to 6 goals, 743, 72-point loss. And the reality was that uh, certainly after uh, quarter time, Freo never really looked in at Seppo. And uh, what, what were your thoughts on the game? Any thoughts on it? Oh, not much other than, I suppose, the, uh, the fact that we didn't pick up too much injuries. I know, um, I think... Clancy Pierce got subbed out with um, a little bit of a knock, but <clears throat> it's just amazing that um, the way that we played was just outgunned and outclassed by the Hawks. And you think, well, we matched them with it last year. You know how much has actually changed, and we've had a good look at the Hawks all year. So you think they'd have a, a fairly good idea of what they were going to do. And, and even just Ross mentioned the press conference that you know we they thought they were going to do things and they did it, yet we couldn't combat it. So that's worrying that they are. Uh, planned for it, but the players out there couldn't actually um, turn it into at least a contest because for a while it seemed like we were close, but they just took it away in the third. And as I mentioned before, this is probably the only time under Ross Lyon that I've actually switched off from a game that my tension shifted and they haven't actually been 100% focused out there on the result. I'm sure it might have been the case of the players because it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard game to watch right the way through and I'd be a brave for our supporter if you actually sat there and watched every minute of that game. Yeah, it's a. Um, I, I mean, I don't think you can take too much in probably the last quarter and a half, Seppo, really. Like, if you look at the way, like you can see Ross Lyon was obviously trying different rotations. I think in the last quarter, there was no Lockie Neal, there was no Fife, there was no Mundy in the middle. They were sort of rotating different blokes through to see how they go, but that doesn't take away from the excuse that they were monstered in the first quarter and a half. One of the things that's been interesting, I think, since the last, probably in the last four or five weeks, and Obviously, having Johnson going out has hurt us, not just his ability to read the play, but just the way we've... We seem to be rolling back a lot further, Seppo. I don't know if it's been, if it's just me noticing it, but we seem to be rolling a lot deeper into our defensive 50, and whether that's to protect Pierce a little bit, who actually I thought was probably one of our shining lights on the day, but we seem to be rolling back a lot further, and then when we get the ball, we've got no one to kick to, or we're not using the ball effect. And I know they've talked about ball use, but we're not actually running and spreading like we were in the first few weeks of the season and I think and we'll get to the changes a little bit later this week but I think it's going to be good to have some extra run through that middle and I'm hoping that by you know I see Sutcliffe's back in but Crozier but they might be able to at least get a bit more run back through the middle because it just seems that when we get the ball we've got nowhere to go when we've actually uh, got the turnover because all our guys are pumped so defense far into the defensive 50. Yeah, I suppose it's it's not a lot of the forwards' faults, and I know our forward lines looks kind of differently. We haven't exactly settled about, you know, where Pav's playing, and and if it's Clark or whoever else taller, if Maine now how far up the fields he's playing. A lot of people talking about the positioning of where Ballantyne and Walters have been, whether up the ground suits them or closer to goal to crumb. Because even just looking at the positioning of when the ball did go forward. There was moments where Gibson and and someone else taller, if it's Stratton. 
would be kicking to Ballantyne and he would be crammed between the two and they wouldn't even kick it to his vantage to you know run onto it. They'd just be kicking to the uh, target and you could sort of see it unfolding before the kick would, was even delivered that, you know, they're trying to do the uh, the team thing and, and maybe put it to the hot spot, but it, it seemed a bit of stupid ball movement um, and it was uh, a bit frustrating. And uh, I suppose one of the only positives in terms of a player performance, like you mentioned, uh, Alex Pierce, probably one of the best nine possession games um, we've probably had from a player recently. I suppose Walters are probably good with, and Hill are probably can be very damaging off a, a small amount of touches. But for Alex Pierce to show a bit of confidence, you know, operate about ninety percent again and um, go up there, and I think there was a couple of times where it probably won't, you know, go against his record, but you can see he was hungry and, and going for the ball, but he'd be spoiling McFarlane or Sandlands or someone else tall that was, you know, really had a clear crack at the ball and it was spilling out and it just sort of fell. The ball actually just came out of our players' hands and fell into the laps of the Hawks players. And, uh, you know, from a, a sniff at it, they just seemed to be able to convert from a step and a second with the ball. So can't afford to do that against really good sides like them. And, and I wish we can do it to them because we certainly uh, burn the ball a bit and they... As Ross says, stripped it and uh, we fumbled and, um, yeah, it made it really easy for the Hawks to score. Yeah. I mean, going back to that other point as well, Seb, I think part of the flow-on effect is with Johnson out, they've had to bring Hill back into the defensive 50 as well. So he, they're trying to use him a little bit more in that back half to create and open up the field a little bit. And, obviously, and Sutcliffe hasn't been like he was last year in terms of spreading the ball and so we had Clancy down there, and we've had and Lockie Neal tends to get a lot of his possessions when he's not in a clearance situation in that back fifty or across the half back line, and we just and those two guys they tend to be very careful with the ball and very stagnant, or they're just moving sideways. So giving those teams, where I mean I've been critical of Johnson in the past as well for his kicking, but he t- he took risks at times, and so did even Sutcliffe, where if they paid off, they opened the field up and. The reality is we're not getting any goals. If you think back to the first seven, six or seven weeks, Seppo, we were getting a lot of goals from midfield. Mm. And now, when was the last... Um, I mean, you don't see Daniel Pierce really getting forward of 50. Stephen Hill certainly isn't. Fife didn't get on the scoreboard last week. We're just not getting any value from our midfield either in terms of kicking goals. And I think that was the difference in early in the season. Why we improved our scoring average by that two to three goals was the fact that our... Uh, Midfielders were contributing on the scoreboard, and they haven't been doing that the last few weeks. Just pushing yeah, pushing I suppose with, with with that midfield move and how quick that ball movement was, you know, everyone talked pre-season about how our focus was on quick ball movement and being direct and going through the middle and some of those forty-five degree kicks. You haven't seen a lot of it recently, and, and I just think a passage of play earlier in the year when you said Johnson was there or, or Sutcliffe was having a good you know patch that. It'd be those daring kicks up the midfield, but they were hitting the targets. It was opening it, and we'd get coast-to-coast goals with probably about three or four possessions running up the middle. And, and even De- Daniel Pierce was a part of that when he was not so fumbly and, and had a pretty good accurate kick and getting a good metres gain. But at the moment, <laughs> the uh, the kicks aren't exactly uh, going where they need to be, and, and even just the possessions, they aren't clean possessions and... I don't know if it's you know, a bit of the conditions. have got to play some part of it, but let's just hope. I, I hear there's uh, more rain on the, the way or chance for this game against Carlton coming up. But certainly it didn't look too bad down there in um, Tasmania, but certainly guys need a lift and get a bit cleaner and, and quicker with the ball movement. Yeah. 
What did you think of the move before the match, bringing Tabiner out? Do you think it was a bit of uh, Ross Lyon sort of not wanting to show anything? Do you think it was... I mean, it didn't look like there was any rain on and There certainly wasn't any rain in the game. Mm. Well, I got excited when I actually heard the news pre-match. I'm like, good, it's raining. They're going to make the change, bring Mzungu in. This is going to be good for him. And then you kind of had a look at the conditions and, and it's... Well, I don't know if we would have been better off with tapping her out there. It's all sort of hindsight. But you just think the way the game played would have, you know, main be better, you know, further, you know, down back or, or out there. And maybe it would have been a, a decision to play maybe Tabner and Mazungu and leave main out and, and have that type of a mix. Because certainly uh, Mazungu probably wasn't the best out there, but for a mo- couple of moments he did all right there. Yeah, and it was just and the biggest concern obviously would have been the, the fact that even though Sandlands was getting a lot of the hitouts, we were certainly getting stripped, as you said, Seppo, and we just haven't been able to take advantage of those. And teams are obviously stopping five and our guys moving through the ball. And it was interesting this week that Ross Lyon was talking about going to the AFL and getting clarification on certain. Uh, tactics that are being used against him. The other one I'd probably want to see a bit more is I, I'm still baffled half the time about the free kicks that Sandlins gets given against him. Like, oh, yeah. You know, he seems to every week get two or three free kicks against him because he's taller or bigger or out-muscling them. I just can't work it out sometimes. It's really bizarre the way and they... And going uh, the other way, he doesn't get the free kicks he deserves with you know the other Ruckman, especially a smaller target um, against him. He seems to have a bit of latitude with how much he can actually throw their arms or chop his arms or, you know, get a good hold of him. Yet the second that Sandilands puts it the other way, it's a, a free kick against. And I think it was one game earlier in the year where they finally played one of those ones we've been screaming for. And I thought that was a, um, you know, a sign of things to come. But I think it might have just been, you know, rule of the week or, or someone's highlighted it to the AFL and all of a sudden they've got to focus on that one thing to appease the masses. And now it's gone back to the old way. So hopefully... Uh, they are looking at that, and um, Sandlands can get the free kicks deserves. Yeah, and no, there's a good chance for them to come back out this week and switch on, and it's probably a bit disappointing. You would have thought Ross Lyon, and I know they've made a few changes this week, but I'm sure he would have, you know, even if it was a competitive loss last week, they would have been able to make a couple of more changes for the right reasons rather than sort of for the dropping, and we'll get to those in a little bit of time. But it's certainly going to give us a bit of food for thought between now and the end of the season, Seppo, about where we sit in the grand scheme of it. And at the end of the day, I know people talk about our poor record against Hawthorne, but, you know, six out of the last seven we've played them away from home. And we have beaten them the only time we have played them at home in that span. And if we can still maintain that top spot or top two spot, then... Uh, could make the know, difference. Could make the difference. You got you know, Playing them on your home turf, does that's what you're playing for. So... And the way the fixture rolls out this week with us playing Carlton and then the Hawks and Sydney, both of them can't win this week. And even the Collingwood Pop West Coast game will be a pretty tough one for the West Coast who are only a game behind as well. So yeah. yeah, if we get a win, we're getting you know room on one of those other top four contenders. So it's you know, eight-point games for them and, and we've just got to get the result done and, and continue on because we only really get the chance to play West Coast from now on. And we've played Hawks and Sydney and played Collingwood, so we don't have a chance to put any, you know, say into where they finish. It's all up to them, and, you know, we've just got to 
keep on doing the job from here on, and that derby is going to be an absolute cracker in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, and like last year, Seppo, we seem to have uh, we seem to have a ruckman come in and just like like Reece Stanley did last year, and even last week, Ben McAvoy came in, hasn't played all season, and had a blinder in the first half, and taking grabs everywhere, kicking goals, and uh, yeah. You know. Oh, going back on it now, you just uh, remind me about people kicking goals. Great to see that Alex Pierce actually uh, kept Gunston to uh, absolute donuts, which is, oh, I didn't think he was even out there for the moment. And then I was trying to work out who Pierce was playing on. And to see that he kept uh, Gunston to not even a behind is, is bloody fantastic because that's probably the last time that Gunston's ever gone without probably even a, a shot, shot on target for a, a game. So I can't remember the last time he would have had one. It has, it's been few and far between, that's for sure. And yeah. I did. In saying that, he did have a goalless game, I think, against Adelaide this year, but there hasn't been, or, you know, didn't get any score against Adelaide, but that, you know, been once, I think, in the last two years. So it's a fantastic yeah. effort and certainly shows that, realistically, we don't need to put any of our free agency money, I don't think, in key defenders. Yeah. Uh, I think we've certainly got to look at something in the front half, um, but with Silvani and Dawson still to come, Johnson out, and Pierce's development, I don't think we need to look at any of our free agency cash going towards uh, our key defender at this stage, that's for sure. And I suppose that's one good thing you can think about the injuries that, you know, we're forced. And, and like a lot of people saying, if, if Silvani and Dawson and Johnson weren't injured, we probably wouldn't be looking at Alex Pierce playing for these last couple of weeks. And by doing so, we've exposed him. You know, we've... Uh, Showing him what's required at the top pace. And, you know, if those other guys come back into the side and he goes back to Peel, at least he's going to be better for the experience. And, you know, he probably keeps him hungry to keep pressure on that, that main spot. And, you know, Luke McFarlane's not going to be around there forever, but there, you know, could be a potential spot for him in the future if it's not a combination of those other three that aren't out there. So I know in him and probably Tanner Smith and Vandalore are probably, you know, all sort of uh, looking for an opportunity at the back line, but that's um, yeah one that I think Alex Pierce has taken over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think the other two are definitely a fair, fair couple of rungs below Pierce at the moment, the way things sit. And, but it'll be definitely interesting to test Ross Lyons' mantra where you play yourself in, play yourself out, because there's been Pierce has really done very little wrong in his time since he's come into the side. Mm. Uh, he certainly doesn't give us the creativity off the half-back line that Johnson does. Yeah. Well, how, do you, how do you go to McFarlane and say, oh, by the way, Alex Pierce is doing well. Johnson yeah. and Dawson have come back. Sorry, Luke, you're going to have to sit it out. It'll be like that uh, vision of him when he was given the red vest against, uh, was it the Eagles or GWS yeah. or something? <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting when he comes back whether they decide to stay... All, all three. With yeah. all three. And because Pierce tends to be that player who plays a bit like Dawson did. A, he doesn't do, try and do anything more than his job. He'll sit there, he'll play on the guy, he'll do everything you get asked of him. He, and he's obviously a little bit better kick than Dawson. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when... He's not stopping and turning and doing a sandlands and looking a handball off behind him. He's um, confident to move. So it might be even a good combination to see if we can go Alex Pierce, McFarlane and Johnson when he comes back. Well, exactly. And then that allows Ibbotson, because Ibbotson can then play either the third tall... Or, and that leaves Johnson to play free, or you can play Johnson free and then leave Ibbotson to play as the, the roam. And both of those players play the position well. So mm. it'll be interesting to see when they come back whether they decide to go with the three tools because Johnson plays a bit quicker than, or a bit shorter than he actually is in terms of his ability to run and move the ball out. So it'll be, it'll be something the match committee would be thinking about, you'd think, for sure. Mm, definitely. 
Well, I think that's enough of that one, eh, Seppo? Yeah, let's move on to the uh, Peel game. There was a lot better result for the the, uh, reserves. Yeah, Peel ended up winning uh, 14 goals, 8-92, defeating a wasteful East Fremantle, 8 goals, 18-66, at Bendigo Bank Stadium. And probably the highlight of the game, or probably the highlight uh, out of this game, Seppo, was the performance of Ed Langdon. Uh, Just... He looks like he's going to be a really handy player for us. And if you can see him developing in a year or two and playing that sort of role that Clancy Pierce is playing at the moment, but he's got more pace and good use of the ball. And I don't think it's going to be too long before we see a debut from him at some point, whether it be this year or next year. He's definitely got some uh, really good quality about him. Well, for a start, he's wearing the right number, 26. It's... It must be something about that jumper, you know, with Clive and Kep before him. We just have to call him Ed. You know, that number 26 is renowned for their first name. One of those uh, players continue the tradition. And you just have to look at his uh, brother um, that's playing for Collingwood and, and how well he's played a couple of years into the system now. And he seems to possess a couple of the similar qualities and to rack up 34 touches and... I think he even kicked a goal himself on the weekend. It was uh, really good to see because I think everyone's been talking about um, Connor and um, Lockie Weller uh, recently with you know good, solid week-on-week performances. But now, you know, after having that injury out of the side a bit, Ed's starting to come along, and it is, it's a lot harder to get midfield opportunities. You know, it's not like Alex Pierce where it's been you know given a shot in the side and. Might be another full year before Ed makes his debut, but at least we're starting to see good develop from not just one, two, it's sort of three of our first three picks from the draft last year. Yeah. The other one who went back last week and uh, obviously had a pretty good performance was Sutcliffe. He got 30 touches and with 17 kicks, and he looked quite good and played a little bit more up the ground where he had a few inside 50s and that sort of thing. And... It was interesting to see this week, Seppo, that out of the four or five guys that were named best for Peel, that three of those guys got a call-up this week. So it does show that they are trying to reward a little bit of waffle form there. Except for Ballard, that always seems to be in the uh, best, but (laughs) can never seem to make it in there, obviously, coming off the rookie list. But, um, yeah, it's great to see at least Crozier, and I think that's something we we, uh, really lacked the, you know, his sort of quick ball movement and, and the way I just love his uh, sh- set shot routine. He's got a dead eye for the footy and, and pumped four inside 50s in from the uh, stats there for Hayden. And uh, my uh, young man, Brady Gray's done all right as well with um, another 23 touches. And I obviously didn't watch the game. I don't know with the position of where he racked him up. But from what I hear from the reports, he's going in tough. He's going in hard. And if we need that hard edge again, that's um, we talked about last week as a potential inclusion for the you know game against the unsocial Hawks. If we want someone to go in hard, you know we haven't been having that with uh, a subdued Ballantyne. Probably been told to not go in hard and, and no Crowley out there. It'd be great to see someone like Gray come in and, and provide a bit of body because he goes, certainly goes in hard. Yeah, I think the only thing that really hurts Gray at the moment is is he does tend to turn the ball over a little bit too much. As bad as Ballard? <laughs> uh, just different. Like, Ballard, I mean, Ballard's an accumulator and he sort of plays that Michael Barlow role where Gray is very tough and it would be good to see if Gray could actually do it at the next level because he would be that small defender and that would free up Sheridan or Sutcliffe to move back up into the wing and give us a little bit more run through the midfield. Mm. But 
it just tends to like sometimes turn it over. But he has got flexibility in that he can probably play down back, and he can. He has been doing a little bit of a run through role at Peel, like probably a bit like Clancy was. Seppo, you know, where he played on both earlier in the year. Mm. Um, he certainly can't fold his toughness, that's for sure. Um, so I think if he does, a, you know, a couple of more, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they give him a chance. And, you know, with that defence, I think they're probably going to try and settle it down as much as they can. They just need to work on the forward line. Good to see Hurley get a couple of more goals as well, Seppo. So he seems yeah, to be enjoying a... it much more up forward than the role. He's certainly a much better forward than a backman. It's amazing now. He's had a what six league games and he's kicked four goals. And I wouldn't think obviously he started off back for a couple, but the fact that they've tried him forward and he's now starting to kick it um, and, and got on the scoreboard a couple of times now is fantastic to see. And you know, they call him the ox down at the club. And gee, if, it, if it's another avenue to goal that we've been looking for, he doesn't exactly have that key position height, but 193 is not to be sneezed at these days, especially if they're built well. Yeah, and he, he certainly looks natural. He can run to the ball. He knows when to go. And I think that's going to be these sort of... If he does have a future with the club, and I think he certainly will get at least another year next year, playing mm. forward will be where it'll be. He and you can't really knock his uh, kicking kicking action because I suppose you just have to look at the Irish players that are out there and you know, Zach Tui and Pierce Hanley and some of the other guys that are out there that don't exactly have the uh, the normal standard technique, but they uh, certainly can kick the ball and, and they go in tough, the other guys. So it's come a long way, Seppo, though. His uh, kicking, obviously, it was a lot questionable when we first saw him uh, having a kick around with a footy in the, the pre-season, but it's, uh, yeah, like I say, come a long way. And if he can just continue to rack up numbers and kick some goals, there may be a place for him in the future just off the uh, the rookie list. Yeah, he's definitely developed, and the other one who probably had one of his better games last week was DeLuca as well. Uh, you know, along with Blakey and Weller, who's been pretty consistent most of the year. And as first-year players, as our draftees, you certainly couldn't fault anything they've done. And it would have been nice to maybe give one of them a chance this week. I thought they might have given one of those guys a bit of a run, but I think just the fact that our ball movement has been so poor the last few weeks, Seppo, I think Ross Lyon will be trying to get our best team playing and getting it back to that position where we were sort of seeing a little bit more of what we saw in the first six, seven weeks of the year as opposed to the last six or seven weeks. So Yeah, oh, I really see it. In terms of those first-year players, no matter how well they're doing, they've obviously got to bed down the free game plan and, and they've really got to you know honour the people that have been in the side, like you know Crozier and Sutcliffe, and there's you know, a lot of quality sitting outside that obviously their performance, I don't know, hold they... Um, hold any precedence over the other guys or, you know, have photos of Ross or something that everyone jokes about that they seem to keep on getting games. But I'd rather see someone, especially that they've proven they can play well and back him in to say, well, Sutcliffe back at his best and Crozier back at his best, uh, you know, a handy addition to our side and providing the changes are right for the people we're pulling out. Let's, um, yeah, let's see those guys in there. Providing then we start to get injuries, that's where we can probably have a look at what we've got with, you know, Expose and get guys like Langdon and, and Weller in there. And I suppose if we uh, go over and have a look at the uh, team names, we'll get a bit of fair idea of uh, what we've done and, and who's even made the emergency list. Yeah, so do you want to bring us the ins and outs for this week, Sappho? Yeah, we'll uh, go to the uh, Fremantle side playing home to Carlton on Saturday night. Uh, we've got into the side Griffin, Tabernar, Sutcliffe and Crozier. Like you said, four of the, the best name for Peel with... 
four omissions, no injuries, even though Clancy Pierce did get subbed out with his injury. Um, you've got Duffield, Mazungu, Pierce, and Clark all omitted there. And looking at the emergencies for Frio, Clark's in there as long as Weller and Langdon. So after their good games, they've obviously been it's a nice little uh, you know, reward or recognition to be named there on the on the um, emergency list there. And, and you never know, the opportunity still might come for one of them if I'm not sure if Clark will be the uh, game day emergency, but at least for Weller and Langdon to maybe kit up, at least run out with the guys and warm up with them. Maybe a, a good opportunity for them to at least just see what goes into the preparation. Um, and, you know, it might starve them. I don't know when the uh, Peel game's on. It might starve them an opportunity to put their hand up again next week, but at least it's a home game. They might be able to do both. Um, moving over to Carlton, we're looking at uh, into the side, Doherty, Rowe and Walsh, who's, I believe, an old Peel player from WA, and they lose, um, really unfortunate, Gibbs out with a pec- pectoral muscle, uh, Cam Wood there, uh, second ruckman, admitted, and Dennis Armfield's out with a broken arm, I believe. So, um, And also uh, Tom Fields is playing his second game. He's at uh, full back from the, uh, the, the reserve sides that can launch a, uh, I think it's an 86-metre torpedo or something. He um, basically took a goal from a, uh, took a, a goal kick in from the... Um, top of the uh, square and basically hit the centre circle and went past it with a, a massive torp. So he's a really long kick, Tom Fields. Yeah, but not just once, but twice. And mm. and I, I used to watch his old man play a little bit when I was a kid, I think. So it would be certainly interesting. And a couple of big, I mean, big Gibbs will be a big out for uh, Carlton. Armfield's pace would probably be very handy on Subiaco, but probably more looking at... And, to see uh, Brad Walsh, who was the WA captain last year, Seppo in the for the Peel or for the WA under 18s at the uh, you know for the national championships, and uh, good to see him get a debut at home as well. Mm. But Griffin kicked three goals last week, Seppo, and obviously that those three goals were probably the difference between him getting a call up this week and giving him a chance. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to translate that form that he showed at. Peel into uh, the AFL. He had a couple of years ago before he did his ACL, he was looking a million bucks and then unfortunately he got the ACL. Came back last year and played St Kilda and we just looked completely ordinary that day and Reece Stanley had a day out and that was the end of it. So interesting to see if he does take his chance, especially after uh, signing a two-year contract this year as well. Yeah, I suppose we haven't seen the the best of Griffin ever since that probably game in the wet. Remember where he kicked that... uh... Good goal from the boundary against Richmond at the G a couple of years ago, and I remember he used to be good for a goal or two, and at least provide a target up forward and a good chop out for Sandy. So it's quite interesting, obviously, where they're going to position with and him, because I really don't trust uh, Griffin to do shoulder the most of the load and run around the ground. Obviously, he's got Cruiser out there who's starting to get back to his best form because he's been out of the game a long time and only had a couple of games this year to get back into it. Um, and obviously, I think Rowe they're probably going to use for a chop out, or even Lockie Henderson into the ruck and uh, Tom Bell as well. So there's some uh, other, you know, taller likes that Griffin will have to come up against. And I think if we can keep him in the forward line and, and give Pav a bit of a chop out, provide forward targets, it's going to be uh, good for him and maybe a chance to force Clark to stay in the uh, seconds for another week and and really push back and not just come straight back into the side. Yeah, a big talking point probably all week on the board has been. Oh, certainly it will be tomorrow as well. I think Seppo is the 
choice between Mzungu, Subin, DeBoer, those three players are all, they're all very similar types in terms of they're pretty hard at it. Uh, Been in and out of the side all this year, some yeah. about the vest. So, yeah, it's uh, an interesting, uh, obviously, a mission with Duffield and Mzungu out. I don't know if, um, I certainly don't have uh, fond memories of the game last year, but I can't remember if it's probably their kicking efficiency or decision-making probably led to their emissions. But I think rather than looking at their emissions, and I suppose some people had to come out, but I'm just glad really looking at the ins that we've actually got Crozier and Suckliff back in. So, um, And it's interesting, obviously, with Tabiner. If you consider Griffin and Tabiner as two talls in, we've only really dropped Clark. So we're actually going a bit taller and haven't actually seen the full weather forecast. I saw someone mention that there's a 40% chance of um, a bit of rain. So you don't know. Maybe maybe there's a chance that Tabiner might come back out and maybe Langdon or uh, Weller might get a chance. But it'll be interesting to see if we're, we're saying we're actually going a bit taller, do something to our structures, get Tabiner running up and down the field with planting Griffin there and get Pav sticking to what he does best and you know maybe we'll fix our forward line or maybe even just open up our, our forward options and at least have someone else other than an outmanned Ballas and, and Maine on the uh, the wing trying to compete hard. Yeah, I had just had a quick look at the forecast, Seppo, and it looks like it's going to be clouty on Saturday. It'll rain on Sunday, but they've said 0% chance this time. Oh, that's better. It's uh, cleaned up. Obviously, we're closer to the mark, but if we uh, yeah have a dry game, it'll be great to see Tab's um, back out there and hopefully his last few games where he hasn't performed well have been really bad for him and I think the kicking to him hasn't been at best and you look at those early games in the year where we were kicking a couple of goals a game is um, yeah it's when we were doing really well and he, even just the way he um, competes for a, a marking contest on the wing showed that he can do that get a good couple of marks and hopefully helps us um, improve our structures and kicking yeah what do you think of the uh, – I've obviously put DeBoer and Subin in the starting side. So do you think it's going to be – you have to think Southcliffe or Crozier will be the sub. And I know they have changed it a little bit. It doesn't necessarily mean that the guys line up – the way they line up or one of those four interchanges is going to be the sub. I think 90% of the times this year, unless we've had a late change, the subs pretty much come from the last spot in the uh, – Interchange. So uh, unless something happens, it could be crazy. It's kind of a bit unfortunate. There's probably a lot of people that are going to win just going, yeah, that's what we needed out there. Give crazy a full game. And, and I suppose if he does start and he goes quiet, he'll probably be the first one to come off. But um, I think that has been the case a couple of times this year. Um, but yeah, it's a bit harsh on him. And I would like, I don't know who we, whoever needs the rocket more out of Subin or DeBoer, um, but there'd be another contenders as we've talked about. They, they have had it before. So. I'm not fussed. I'll let them make the right call in the day and I'll be happy with either. I know Subin's done a bit when he's come on and provided a bit of kicking, but it hasn't been too bad. And I think he made a couple of uh, silly mistakes like everyone else on the weekend, but I'll be happy with either of them. I, only when they come on that they um, compete hard, get a couple of tackles and push the ball forward. Yeah. The other, the other interesting one will be, I think, uh, if we have a look at it, is... Like Barlow's played forward most of the year, Seppo, and he hasn't really been much in the centre bounces. And I thought they might have rotated him a little bit more through the middle in the second half of the season. But for some reason, he just doesn't seem to be getting any sort of time, in, certainly in the centre clearances or anything like that, which is which was his bread and butter in the first couple of years at the club. So it'd be interesting to see if they 
try and stay with him in that role in that forward line, considering our forwards have been struggling to kick goals. Yeah, it's a funny. Even just having a look at his positioning, he's started on the edge of the the box, almost like a, a winger at the start for the centre bounces and sort of drifts in and sits on the outside of the pack. So he's he's playing this odd sort of half forward flanker slash winger almost that comes in and tries to play on the outside, but he just doesn't have that leg speed. So. Yeah, he doesn't have the I, still can't, his, <laughs> I can't work out exactly what type of position they're, they're playing in because he's certainly not a, a hit-up or even sitting in the forward 50. He's sort of sitting on the edge, like trying to get involved, but don't go too deep on ball. And it's – I'd love it if you could see when he was back to his best. He was actually in amongst it, you know, getting his hands free, dishing it off to some other guys. Like, I'd almost prefer to see Fife on the outside bit and get – Barlow in there dishing it out to uh, Fife rather than the other way around because it certainly uh, it, it, it seems a bit hard on Barlow because I don't think he's been played in his best position. But at the moment, I couldn't even describe the position he's been played in. <laughs> yeah, and as you said, his leg speed's not... I mean, no one said he's super quick and his ball use isn't... He's not a brilliant kick either. You know, it's not like... He's, he's a brilliant throwing, handball. Yeah, and in the middle... And I, it'd just be good to see maybe they try and put him back in the middle a little bit more. And even if you use Lockie Neal a bit more on the outside or, you know, because Lockie's not at least a bad kick or have someone a little bit more uh, penetrating in that role. And, you know, it'd be good even if they had Crozier playing in that type of position where, and I know he hasn't done a lot this year, but the times he's had the ball, he's been quite creative when, when he's got that ball around that, you know, half forward role and he's created a few goals and, he just gives you a little bit of X factor, and he's a pretty strong mark. A couple of weeks ago, he took some brilliant marks in the first quarter at full pace, uh, you know, bringing it out and leading it out. And just, just good to see him maybe play in that role a little bit more and put Barlow back where he where he plays his best footy. Mm. Anything else you want to really see this week, Seppo, for the game? Oh, it's obviously um, the focus is going to go on to when you look at Carlton's best. They've probably got Kate Simpson and Cripps out there as two of their best, and Mark Murphy's out there still, but. Still not as damaging as what um, Simpson and Cripps can be. So a um, bit of focus on the young guys that we haven't had to worry about before. I know they're missing a lot of talent out there, but it's yeah, it's going to be quite interesting to see how our midfield can go against, you know, from going from the Hawks with um, some really you know quality talent, even the way they move the ball. Um, I remember there was some stat that Ross mentioned about the backwards kicks from the Hawks. There was actually quite a few, so it's not all about just going forward, but just making... Smart decisions, and I'm not sure if uh, you look at the Carlton players, there's a lot of uh, smart decisions of the footy when the ball's in those guys' hands. So hopefully we can put a bit of pressure on and, and win, not just get that sandy tap down to one of them and, and lose it. I, I want to see some good, strong centre clearances, and hopefully we don't have uh, Lee Matthews commentating this game and just talking about how overrated ruck taps are because I'm sick of hearing it every week. Oh, well, that that, speaking of which, that was one of the blessings that we do get a lot of games on Fox because listening to him and Basil and uh, Dennis last week was infuriating to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the way, if they do try and make any changes, all use has obviously been the thing they've been talking about a lot this week, Seppo. And I reckon in that first, when we played, uh, the last home game we played, and we sort of only just managed to get over the line against... Collingwood. Um, Brisbane, when we played Brisbane, before the rain came. Yeah. And the ball use was in the first quarter. They seemed to go back to that. In the first 10, 12 minutes, they were going back to the style they played early in the year. And the yeah. ball movement was quick. They weren't thinking about it. They were running to the right spots. 
Tabernet was providing a pretty good lead at times and took two or three marks early. And then the rain came and we just sort of fell apart. And then we sort of got better towards the second, like once the rain disappeared in the last quarter, we went back to that style. And you thought last week in that last quarter, give us a good impetus for this week. But unfortunately, it uh, fell in a big heap. So it was certainly interesting to see how clear I go because Carlton actually do have some pretty good clearance players in there. They've got some pretty big um, players with the likes of Tom Bell, Cripps, as you mentioned earlier. So they do, I mean, Murphy's a small guy in Kerno, but Kerno's sort of in, in an under player. So they're gonna, they've got a pretty good sort of blend of pace and appearances. They just don't have enough experience or good ball users across the whole 22, which is sort mm. of, so they can stay in games for periods, but then they just sort of fall away at times. And that's going to probably hurt them in this one as well, you'd think. Yeah. All right. Uh, Luke Farmer, Dal Gleish, and Chris Camelins umpiring the game this week. So hopefully we'll uh, just see them non-existent in the game and we can just just watch the footy and not have to worry about any umpiring decisions. Or yeah, anything. Farmer's the only one I'm, I'm worried about, those. The other guys are usually um, Commons and uh, Dal Gleish are nondescript umpires, so you usually don't care when I hear those names mentioned. But, um, yeah. So we'll see. See what happens. What's your uh, tip for this game, Seppo? Um, I was just going to consult the squiggle to see what it said. I know it uh, said we're going to be close to Hawthorne, and, and I did sort of predict a close loss last week, but not from what happened there. And I don't know if we've taken a, a really defensive dip. So I'm just hoping we can do better than the predicted 98 to 53 scoreline here. So I want us to get over 100 points and get a bit of that attacking flair back and pile it on. So I'm going to go for a, a 10 goal. Get the six, get the sixty point win over Carlton. A lot of the media this week in Perth, Seppo, particularly with the players on the news and stuff like that, is talking about getting back to their best. And I, I suppose we've been hearing that rhetoric for the, you know the last or rhetoric for the last four to five weeks since they've been in that bit of slump. So last week was sort of hit crash, you know, bottom of the pack. So it really is time for them to sort of turn that. And that's sort of tied around. And it's hard for those guys, you would imagine, because once you get out to that 9, 10, 10 and 1 record or 11 and 1 or 12 and 1, whatever we were, Seppo, they know they're playing finals and you're just wanting to, you know, sometimes you're going through the motions and it's not whether you want to get injured or you don't want to lose your spot or anything like that. And, you know, sometimes you just drop that 5% and teams all of a sudden start improving and they're starting to scout us a little bit better. And I think it's just a combination of things. So... I think hopefully this week we'll come out and get back to our best. And I'm, I think we should win by about around 50 points, I think would be a comfortable uh, margin this week. Uh, Do you think you'd be upset if we, if we managed to scrape him with a, you know, a 20, 15, 20 point win, you know, low, low margin. If, if they cut and clog it up and play an ultra defensive game, I know Barker's a new coach there. He's trying to show something. So hopefully, the players wanted to take more risks and, and we put them under pressure and, and turn it over and get a lot more goals from, you know, turning turning it over and, and pile it on. But are you going to be unhappy with a low-scoring affair and, and just getting the four points or would you want to see something big? I think it's I think it's the way we play. Sometimes you don't mind a low-scoring affair if you're doing everything right. Yep. And, you know, sometimes you've got to play to those conditions and if Carlton are going to clog the back line, it's going to be certainly a much more difficult yeah, but at the same time, that means we should be able to move all of our players forward a lot further, Seppo. So 
if our pressure is good, we should be getting turnovers in that. Instead of getting the turnovers at the back half, we should be getting turnovers in the forward half. And then, you know, using utilising those players like Hill, like Pierce outside, you know, even kicking goals outside 50. So I'd be disappointed if they don't play Tabiner for the whole game this week. That's one thing I would like to see. I think yeah. we have to work on what our structure is going to be going forward in the finals. And I, whether we like it or not, Tabiner has to play, I think. And, yeah, definitely. And I think... It's no good playing him for three quarters and then drop, you know, subbing him out. I think you've got to play him the whole game, give him four quarters, regardless of where, how we're travelling. And, you know, whether we take out a Steven or a DeBoer or whatever it might be, you know, depending on who they use as the sub, I think we have to leave Pavlich and Tabernet to play together, just get that chemistry right. And especially, I mean, we like last week we had Clark come in, now we've got Griffin come in. We just never seem to be getting the same six blokes. And... I think if they can get uh, even Griffin just coming in, separate, and just able to bring the ball to ground, because we just need to get Ballantyne back on putting scoreboard pressure on. It's all good and well doing the stuff around the ground and doing the defensive pressure and that, but at the end of the day, he is a forward and you do have to kick goals. And I know he didn't get a lot of it down forward last week, but the reality is he does need to hit, hit scoreboard pressure as well. Yeah, a lot of that good patch of form that Walters had. I know Walters only kicked one on the weekend, but... Um, I think for what Walters was doing a couple of weeks ago is where Ballantyne needs to get to. And while we're on that the subject, uh, I want to wish a happy birthday to Ballantyne. It's his uh, birthday today. So hopefully he can uh, carry you know that extra age of experience now he's got, bring it into the uh, the weekend's game. And he always seems to pay better at home than he does away. So he's got no excuses now. And I know there's a lot of people calling for his uh, dropping and, and saying that he needs a, a spell on the Magoos. But I think you just got to back him in and maybe tell him to adjust his game. Maybe he's gone too far into his shell and worried about another suspension, but I think he needs to go hard and, and back himself and take off and even start to ping him a bit more because we are certainly want to increase our scoring output to get some confidence and even get some credibility back because I think we've sort of lost them from a bit and it doesn't mean much. You know, we're, we're not really pushing for, a, you know, uh, the the you know the plaudits and the media you know trying to get some attention so it's good to sort of they've come off us a bit and um, the load is starting to change around a bit and a lot more uh, focus is going on our uh, crosstown rivals and everything but let's just hope that uh, we get the result and maybe Collingwood could do a favours this weekend and and knock off the uh, the uh, the birds down the road yeah and I think the other thing about Valentine as well so he's just gone away from that front and square. A lot of the goals he was kicking were front and square or kicking over the back, and we certainly haven't had the ball movement to get those over-the-back goals. But he, we, in the past, we'd just be able to bring the ball to ground and it'd always be front and square, and even if he's getting the ball out. But he just doesn't seem to be getting into those positions as well as he was in the past. So it'd be good to see him get back to that sort of uh, dangerous player in the forward 50, and getting a couple of goals this week would certainly give him a bit of confidence, that's for sure. Yeah, it certainly will. All right, anything you want to bring up on the uh, boards this week, Seppo, or anything for our listeners? No, other than the fact that uh, anyone that's in Melbourne that wants to join the uh, the uh, grudge match, the uh, annual event, we've dusted it many uh, times on the board over the last couple of years. It's, uh, we're going to be kicking off with a couple of training sessions through and trying to get some uh, squads together. So if you're in Melbourne and do listen to this podcast and you can kick a footy around, uh, keep an eye out for the board, and um, or if you're returning... Member of the squad, uh, keep an eye out for the emails and all the info floating out because that will be the uh, prequel to the uh, Derby and it's not far away. I think we play off the Eagles in round 18 or 19, I believe. So 
Yeah. Not, not far to go before we uh, face off in that big big moment. But all right, excellent. And uh, another couple of uh, few weeks of sore body, Seppo, after uh, after training in the game, no doubt. Yeah, always is case. <laughs> all right, thanks again for joining us this week, Seppo. No worries. Always a pleasure to talk footy, and let's hope we're talking about a, another couple of wins under our belt in the next few weeks. And there's certainly a more positive performance than what we've seen in the last five to six weeks. Good luck to Griffin, who's making his sort of season debut this week, and let's look forward to a much better performance. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now.